Welcome to Fireside Chats with Reverend Iron Kim, hosted by me, Abby, and produced by Grace Presbyterian Church of Silicon Valley. Hey there, Grace Pres. Abby Dennison here. Some of you might know me from Endurance, the blog we've been doing, but today I'm actually here to offer you a podcast with the good Reverend Iron Kim. How's it going, Iron? I'm doing well, Abby. This is fun. Our first podcast together. Our first podcast together. I've worked for Iron for three years now. It probably feels much longer to him, but we're not just coworkers. We're also pretty good friends. So we thought it might be fun to put together a little podcast in the season since we can't see you all in person. Like we said, it's our first try. So Grace Pez, please be true to your name. Be gracious with us. We're just learning. And when we were thinking about this podcast, we thought a lot about the idea of fireside chats. Do you guys remember those? It's like when George Washington came on TV every night. Is that right, Iron? <laughs> That's not quite right. But we decided we wanted to do this. Why? Because we remember from our history books, FDR did fireside chats during the war as a way to encourage people and keep people connected and thinking about things they should be thinking about. He's being modest. He doesn't remember it from the history books. He was there. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, Abby. Okay. So I put together some interview questions for us today. The first one I have, Iron, I think people want to know what's up with Grace Press these days. Well, everything has moved to kind of a virtual place for not only worship, but also connections. And that's a huge, huge change for any church. Churches are meant to be places where people gather, people connect, people see each other. And those things have taken on new meanings and new methods in this season. So we're thinking about new ways that we can still be the church in the midst of sheltering in place. Yeah, people have been talking a lot lately about Corporate worship, Jesus incarnate in flesh. And there's a paradox here. We have a very embodied faith, but then we also have this very abstract, non-physical thing called the Holy Spirit that ties us all together. I don't know. I've actually been thinking a lot about that. What does it mean that we are not physically together, but spiritually one? And just because we're sheltering in place and practicing social distancing. I don't think it ever means that the church stops being the church. We can be spiritually united. We can actually spend time together in virtual ways. And it sounds like that's one of the reasons you wanted to do Fireside Chat. What are some of the things you want to talk about here? Or what do you imagine for this venue? I, I Sheltering in place has raised a lot of questions. It's uh, challenged us because it's forced us to realize we can't do all the things we would like to do or we normally do. Crises also tend to make us focus on the essential things. What are things that are most important to us? It forces us to a level of introspection sometimes. And it's hard for us because the loss is great, but it also is an opportunity to bring great clarity, I think, in considering what does it mean to love God? What does it mean that God continues to love us, that the gospel is true, that the hope of the resurrection is real in the midst of something like a pandemic? And this is an opportunity for us to look deep inside, to look to the scriptures and to draw close to God. I really like that word clarity. It's like if there's nothing else around you, you kind of have to deal with the things that are real or most important to you or the hard parts of yourself. I mean, you're just alone with them. There is no escaping your sin these days. No, I think that's right. 
for May, I'm frustrated because all the coffee shops I usually go to are mostly closed. And in the grand scheme of things, is it that important? No. Is it an inconvenience? Yes. But it makes you start to think, well, are those the things that are most important to me? What are those things? What are the things that I should be focusing on? Because all the other things I'm usually doing, I can't do. And this is often what crises does to us. It strips away all the things that are around us and forces us to look at ourselves, maybe even deal with our own sin, maybe even see good things we should be seeking after. Love of neighbor, growing in care for others, growing in a knowledge of God. These are things we can do in this season. We just need to figure out how to do that well when all the usual avenues aren't available. Paring down to the essentials, it's kind of the same thing we've all been doing at the grocery store. Um, For some people, what's essential is ice cream. For other people, it's steak. For me, it was goldfish and a trip to Lululemon to buy athleisure. Is that what you did, Iron? Not exactly. I did go, first of all, to Zombie Runner, our local coffee shop here on Cal Ave, because I needed to stock up on coffee beans before they closed down. That was like priority number one. I don't know what I'd do without coffee. For those of you who don't know, Iron is definitely a man of the finer things. He is probably most famous for bringing espresso to the Grace Prez office. But let's go ahead and transition. What is our topic for this episode today? What is it that you'd like to start with? I think the first thing I wanted us to think about is this idea of waiting, namely waiting on God. And we are all waiting to figure out when will shelter in place end? When will our lives resume some normal pattern? And we have no idea. This makes waiting hard, whether it's waiting on God, waiting on life to happen. All of those questions kind of loom large for us, and I think they have spiritual components as well. I think this season will provoke in us lots of questions, reflection, and I wanted to talk about that today. I don't know about you, but I don't think I realized how much I thought of life as being the things that happen to me. It feels like life is not happening right now, but it is like I wake up, I brush my teeth, I'm living life, but I keep thinking, okay, when am I going to get back to that project of living? It's strange. I agree, Abby. It feels like, hey, there's a big part of what I do, which defines who I am, but the pandemic actually has caused life to be put on pause. And I think that is very jarring because our normal routines of what we do have been so disrupted. There are challenging parts about it, but life is happening still. And as Christians, we always talk about finding your identity in Christ. You're not what you do. You're what Christ has done for you. But now that I'm not doing anything, I realize, gosh, I don't know if I find my identity in what that guy did. I feel like, no, I find my identity in my hobbies, my interests, the parties I go to, all the little things. And those things matter. I think they are all intertwined. It's good for us to enjoy the things that God has given us, friendships, good food, opportunities to be able to care for one another, support one another, do life. When you're talking about waiting, I mean, you're a pastor, but one thing I've learned working at a church is that pastors are people too. When in your life have you experienced this, Iron? Have you had a time of waiting? Obviously, just like every other human being, pastors have the same things that we struggle with like everybody else. I remember waiting to figure out, where am I going to go to college? Am I going to go to grad school? Will I get married? Am I going to be a dad? 
all the big questions of life. We share all of those, not just in my personal life, but I think about waiting to see how God's been at work in people's lives. That's one of the things I've had a very special perch from which to observe people's lives being impacted. And that's been a great joy in ministry. Abby, I think I was telling you, you know, I started seminary in 1990. So this year is my 30th anniversary of being out of college and starting uh, this ministry. Iron, I wasn't even born in 1998. I, <laughs> Man, what a veteran you are. Uh, or it just means I'm old. And again, my connection to FDR is genuine and real. <laughs> but, you know, one of the things that I've been able to see in doing ministry is watching people struggle with this question of, hey, I'm waiting on God to act. I don't see him acting in my life. And walking with people to say, hey, hold on, you need to be patient because he is working in your life. And that is really hard to practice. But over time, a few years later, someone comes back to you and say, hey, remember that conversation we had? And seeing those things work out in ways often uh, that has surprised people and they come back and say, no, God was actually active and he was teaching me things. Those have been some of the more gratifying conversations I've had. I feel like over the last few years, I've gone to you so many times and said like, Iron, why isn't anything happening in life? I'm 26. Stuff is supposed to be happening. When people talk to you about stuff like this, what do you tell them about waiting well? One of the pieces that's been helpful to me as I consider what it means to wait on God is there's a kind of waiting we do when we just think about it as wishful thinking. I just wish this would happen. And I don't believe that God is actually at work in my life. How do I wait while not seeing him at work? And I think that's the biggest question people ask. And part of actively waiting for God, and this is what the scriptures are pointing us to, is saying, I am going to believe that although I can't see him, I can't tangibly see that he is doing something right now because I have no signs that he is. Although it's not perceivable, the Bible is telling me that God cares about me and has a deep active interest in my life. Part of growing to wait on God actively is to say, I'm growing to trust in God's love for the world and for me, even though right now I cannot perceive that that is reality for me. Trusting that even though I can't do anything, even though waiting to me feels like by definition doing nothing, it's not that waiting is doing nothing. It's trusting that God is doing something. That's a really different mindset to be in. It's almost like a Sabbath sort of practice of knowing that I'm not working right now, but God certainly is. And maybe right now that's how people are feeling uh, around the pandemic. It's like, hey, God, I am sheltering in place. This is one of the hardest things for me. How do we? understand waiting in this season that somehow God is working. How do we grow to trust God's love that he is actually at work, even when things are really hard, uh, when things aren't working out exactly the way we want, is actually one of the keys to Christian life. Because this is something we never outgrow. And it doesn't matter if you're 12. It doesn't matter if you're going to be a high school senior. If you're waiting to figure out if you can get into law school or med school or business school, all of that anxiety waiting is one of the great spiritual disciplines I think we need to figure out how to do. 
It's weirdly comforting too to hear you say that that doesn't go away. I always feel like it's just because I'm a millennial that I don't know how to wait. And there's a million articles online that say that, but it sounds like older people, more mature, wiser people, Iron, have trouble with this too. Exactly. I don't think it ever goes away. That's one of these pieces of how do you grow and wait? You know, I think about all the couples that I've had conversations with over the years, young couples who've thought, hey, after we get married, you know, two years into our marriage, we're going to start a family. And tragically, sometimes there are couples that have a hard time conceiving and they're waiting, they're longing. It kind of echoes all the stories in the scriptures as people are waiting for God to give them children and a family, you know, processing what does it mean that it's been so hard? And in the midst of it all, the big question for them is always, hey, is God for us or not? And you know, as a pastor, the, the answer is always, of course, God is for you. It's just very hard to see how he is at work right now. But while you continue to do all the things you need to, please don't lose sight of the fact that the Lord God is for you, even if everything is not going exactly as you planned. And in preparation for our podcast, I was thinking about the story of Abraham and Sarah. Because, you know, if you go back to the story, we're told in Genesis 12, he was 75 years old when God first called him out. And then he promises him that one day he will have children, okay? And his descendants are going to be more numerous than the stars in the sky. And you follow the story, and it's not until he is 100 years old that he and his wife finally conceive. It's 25 years. That's a long time. If I have to wait to be 100 to have kids, Iron, I think I'm going to die. I don't want that to be the message you take away from this story. (laughs) I think the point of the story is in that period of waiting, as things don't go according to their own timeline, if you remember Abraham and Sarah, along the way, they get frustrated they get impatient. They come up with different ideas of how to have a child. Remember the story of Hagar. All of these things are them being impatient when God actually was actively at work in their lives. And in the meantime, they're waiting, they're hoping, they're struggling to believe. And I think that's part of waiting is our struggle to believe is a real thing. It's not a sin. It's not a bad thing. And while we wrestle with that, God is saying, can you see that while you're struggling, Can you begin to see glimpses of me, your God, your Savior, the one who sent Jesus, committed to you, is still working in your life on your behalf? And I think that's part of what's taking place in this story. Abraham is growing in faith as he is waiting, as is his wife, Sarah. Mm. And there's so many other people in Scripture that that's true of, too. Abraham's sort of, you know, the archetype for Christianity in a lot of ways, because he's just a human. He's frustrated, but he's willing to walk and follow God. I think about Anna in the temple. She's always really spoken to me, single in her 90s, but she was the only one waiting for Jesus. Right. You know, no one else was in the temple. It was because she had waited for so long that she was looking for him. There were those who were waiting for the arrival and the coming of Messiah, whether it was Simeon, whether it was Anna. And what are they longing for? They're longing not just for something for themselves, but they're longing for God's kingdom to come, God's kingdom to show up through this Messiah 
that would bring salvation for the world. So their minds and hearts are captivated by this beautiful thing, God's work in our world, his kingdom building, and the coming of Messiah that's going to unleash this. And that's part of, I think, what it means to wait on God, try to figure out where does all of the things that we want for ourselves begin to intersect with God's plans for the world and for us. And that's part of waiting. Yeah. When you say that, it makes me think there is a little bit of a difference between Sarah and Anna. And I'm way more of a Sarah. I wait for things that are for me most of the time, like 99% of the time I'm waiting on God to do something for me. But this is really the first time in my spiritual life that I've been waiting for God to do something for the whole world. And I don't know, it's really struck me. It's made me think, oh, this is what I was supposed to be waiting for all along, for God's grace to be poured out on everyone, not just me. I've just never thought about the whole world before. And I don't want to sit here smugly thinking I'm an older (laughs) person who's figured this all out, Abby. You know, I think that's the default position of all of our hearts. First and foremost, we're selfish and we want to think about our needs and our daily comforts. Those things generally come first. But when you read on the Internet or watch on television the suffering that's taking place, it's hard to feel good about thinking about, I am not able to have my cappuccino today. It seems so petty in light of everything else that's going on right now. And uh, crying out, Lord, we, we need you to be active in this situation. We need you to intervene. We need your mercy poured out upon the world. There are people suffering at so many levels, whether it's because they have COVID or because they've lost jobs or because they're suffering out of loneliness and anxiety. All of those things are there and real. And I just pray that this is the season for us to, if anything, that God would make us much more sensitive to the needs and the suffering around us and call us as his people to love and to care well. Gosh, yeah, that would be a beautiful outcome if I slowly became a little less self-absorbed. As you're praying about this kind of stuff, Iron, I mean, are there verses in the Bible that speak to you about waiting or specific passages that bring you a lot of comfort? Recently, I went through Hebrews and uh, my scripture reading was Hebrews 11. And in verse one, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the convictions of things not seen, the conviction of things not seen. There is this thing that faith does that allows you to say, I don't know what God is up to, but here's what I'm trusting in. I am being assured of the hope that God is at work. And I think this is what Abraham was commended for at the end of the day. And the great people of the scripture, those that we look up to that are listed in Hebrews 11, it's not that their lives were so perfect. But they acted on the fact that they believed that God was at work in the world and they made decisions. They decided to move forward in faith. They loved others. They were sacrificial because these things were true for them in faith and in trust in God. Those are a couple of things that I keep coming back to in my own Christian life. And those are things that I pray for and long for to see in all of us. That reminds me of something David Jones always says. He he loves the expression already, not yet. And after a while, it, it's really stuck with me because I think faith is having the trust that 
there is something happening already. And indeed that has already happened, but we just don't see it yet. And I think that's what Hebrews 11, one is all about. I love the already not yet thing. So rounding this podcast off, you're the pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church of Silicon Valley. What would you say to Grace Pres, this time, this place, this people, right here and right now? What do you wish you could say to people? Well, here's the first thing I would say. Don't be disappointed that waiting is hard. I think waiting has always been hard for God's people. I don't think it's ever been easy. Uh, so if you're disappointed in yourself, feeling incredibly impatient, frustrated, I don't know why. Maybe I just need more faith in God. Number one, you're not alone. So take comfort in that. And as you continue to move forward to trust that God is at work in your life and in our world right now, believe that he is up to something because that's the message of Easter. That's the message of Good Friday. That's the good news. And as we sink our teeth into that truth and let that be drilled down into our hearts, my hope and prayer is that that would allow us to wait in hope actively, recognizing that God is there and he is for us, longing for the day when we get to tell the story of, you know what, here's what God taught me. Here's how God met me in this season. That is going to come, you know, as you hang on to him. And that's what I love to share. Oh, I love that, Iron. Yeah, you're right. I mean, one day we'll be looking back and talking about 2020 in our heavenly mansion, which yours will be a lot bigger than mine probably, but I'll drop by. We'll have some lemonade on the porch. And coffee. <laughs> and coffee. You have coffee. I'll have lemonade. And it's true. We will be talking about 2020 and how God met us in that time. We won't be talking about all of the sad things that are happening right now. It's true that when we look back, this will be kind of a distant memory. And what will be big is the picture of God's glory. Okay. So we will be back with another fireside chat next week. One more way to practice waiting. Seven days of suspense between now and chapter two with Reverend Iron Kim. Thanks, everybody. We'll be back next time. Thank you, Abby. 